Hello and welcome to episode 189 of the In Squash podcast. I'm Jerry Gibson and today we have on former world number two, one of the greats of his generation, Peter Marshall. And uh, he, as many of us know, uh, has a, had a tremendous career, but also uh, a career that uh, didn't quite uh, reach its full potential due to uh, some serious uh, illness that he suffered right at the time when it looked like he was going to or potentially succeed uh, the great chance Khan in 1994 uh, Peter had reached the World Open final played Chancher beat uh, Rodney and Peter Rodney Martin and Peter Nickel on the way to that final and uh, had a hard-fought uh, four-game loss against uh, Jancher really looked at that point that he was going to succeed Jancher in the very near future unfortunately he uh, as we all know uh, had to bat had a battle with chronic fatigue syndrome which uh, took him out of the game for two years and Peter Peter comes on the uh, the podcast and we talk all about that uh, those years leading up to uh, 1994 his junior years his influences uh, working with Jonah Barrington from a young age and uh, how that impacted uh, his game and what it was like uh, working with Jonah and uh, how Jonah really helped him get to where he, to reach uh, the heights that he did. And then the, that period in, uh, in and around 1994 where he was really successful getting to number two in the world and it, where it really looked like uh, he would succeed Gancher. And then, of course, in the aftermath of that, the British Open, he got to the final in 95. But uh, uh, as he says, uh, that's when it all started to feel a little bit off. He started to feel a bit off. Uh, he spent two years away from the game and then came back. And we talk about the comeback. And uh, there's a lot in there that he's really proud of and we talk about that. We also uh, discuss, again, uh, the influence of Jonah Barrington and what those years were like and how fun it was and how uh, what a great learning experience it was for him. And also some, some other great stuff there about his life on the tour and, and uh, the struggles he went through to, to get to back to, where, uh, to playing some really good squash, getting into the top 10 and winning uh, the British national title again in uh, the year... 2000. So I know you're going to really enjoy episode 189 with Peter Marshall. Hey. Have hey. Oh, I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, well, hey. Uh, oh, I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, well, I was just about to abort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. Yeah, I know. It's, here we are. It's, um, well, uh, just, I'm just going to change my wireless uh, connection here just to make sure. I, I was fooling around with a few things on my end just to see if I could get it working. And uh, No problem. I'll get back to the better. Uh, there we go. Good. All right, Peter. Well, right, uh, right. yeah, we I'm, go. I'm good now. Here we go. Yeah, uh, it yeah, slowed it down you. a bit for me there for a second. Uh, but yeah. great to, uh, first of all, Peter, uh, you're, we're up to, I think you might be a year or two younger than me, but Basically, when I was a junior, watched you play, and I'm from mm. Canada, from Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia, close to where Jonathan Power uh, grew up, so I knew Jonathan quite well. But uh, growing up, uh, you were one of the guys uh, that we all loved to watch play, obviously for, you know, you're a great player, but also the two-handed uh, mm. uh, approach made it uh, even more uh, more unique and, and more exciting to watch you play. But thanks so much uh, for coming on. No problem, no problem, no, looking forward to it, looking forward yeah. to it. Um, fact, I, I, have, I have done a couple of podcasts before, but um, not for a while, actually. But, yeah, it seems like this is taking off, isn't it, the, the uh, mm. cost-aware conversation. I, I, actually, I actually listen to a lot of podcasts, different types of podcasts, and um, I probably use that almost more. I, I, I kind of get information from podcasts more now than, than just news or even read it absolutely that's the, it's the, the the most trustworthy news source out there is the the uh, the objective uh, or you know slight you know you can find what what you need in terms of news and it's not always bent towards uh, exactly yeah in fact there was a famous uh, <laughs> slight, slightly off topic of squash there was uh, i don't know whether you've heard of this this is big news in the uk actually recently about uh, jordan peterson he gave it he gave a have you heard, have you heard of jordan peterson you've heard yes of jordan yes peterson? yeah yeah obviously um and he gave a, um, he'd had a long, he'd had an illness, a severe illness over the last two or three years. And he gave an interview to the Sunday Times, which is the most prestigious paper in the UK. Um, 
and he was totally misrepresented. He just, he just, it was yeah. terrible. It basically, the headline was basically saying that he was a manic. Unfortunately, he recorded the interview um, and then played back the interview, so you could actually compare what he'd said. You know, and it was a real eye opener. Well, I, I kind of knew that the, the, the main, mainstream media do distort the truth, but uh, I mean, this was with the, one of the main editors of the Sunday Times. This interview, and she yeah. totally distorted literally everything that he said. It makes yeah. you realise, even even from so this wasn't like a tabloid newspaper. This is supposedly a newspaper. Yeah, it's, uh, you it's, actually it's think, oh, actually, that's, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's things like that. I, I, I think eventually mainstream media as we know it, because it's just not, it's just not trustworthy. Yeah, no, exactly. Your first uh, podcast for squashing, was, I, I, if I memory serves, would have been Tom Ford's uh, podcast. That's right. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's I had happened. Tom on the podcast uh, and uh, uh, started shortly after he started his. Uh, oh, right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Your episode 189 of, of mine. Really, him going to know, right? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I've, um, yeah, no, I remember that. You know, Tom actually came, you know, he came to my workplace and we had a, had a good chat. Um, but yeah, no, I've listened to a couple, of, I, I haven't listened to all 189, I've missed one verse of your <laughs> podcast, but I have listened to a few. I've listened to Jonathan Powers, I've listened to. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I listened to Rodney Martin, a bit of Rodney Martin as well, not all of it. I know he's. Yeah, well, he was epic. Uh, the second one is really good. Uh, yeah. That's the one I listened yeah. to. I listened to a bit of that. that was, yeah. So that's, that's, Jonathan that's Power, I mean, uh, I, I, I've obviously prepared a bit for this, and uh, I was going to ask you about uh, JP, because I do, there's mm. a video out there on uh, YouTube of you guys in a match, mm. uh, and I think it was after your comeback, I'm not sure, but you you managed to, uh, I think you beat him. And yeah. uh, you just seemed, uh, uh, we'll, we'll get to this later, uh, but it just seemed like you had the sort of temperament and the game and the sort of the, sort of the, the the approach to squash that that would have given him a bit of trouble uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah no no we only played yeah we only really played once properly um but yeah we can we can we can we can talk about that i'll, I'll try and cast my mind back to uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah see how much i can remember of it but uh let's do that okay well peter uh first yeah. of all i mean uh many you know squash players of our generation past mm. a little bit past maybe and uh, beyond know of you, obviously great player, know your story, mm. but mm. Uh, maybe many don't. And yes. uh, you know, there's a younger generation in squash isn't, you know, prolific for having its, uh, it's, it's, it's old player, you know, the, the legends back on, mm. um, you know, interviewing them and stuff. So we're going to go, if you don't mind, sort of go back a little bit, if there's uh, a little backstory uh, on you, but uh, uh, yeah. you were British number one throughout uh, all of your junior career. And, and, uh, I think at some stage you started working with uh, with Jonah Barrington. Would have probably been later, but in the early days, uh, who uh, who were your sort of uh, who guided your your squash uh, back in those days when you uh, when you were dominating as a junior? Uh, mm, yeah. mm. Well, I um, I was very fortunate in a way because my dad owned a squash club. Um, so in the kind of late seventies, early eighties. My dad was was involved in property and then decided, you know, he was a really keen squash player himself. And this is probably the height of the squash boom, really, in the UK. He decided to build a squash club um, in a small little village just in the middle of England. Um, so he built he built this squash club. It was only two courts at the time. And it was, and, and our house was kind of joined on. To, all I had to do was like walk through a little corridor and then jump on the squash court. And it was right. kind of all there for me. So, you know, that was really, you know, that was really... Um, my kind of introduction to squash um it was through you know it was through my dad and you know the fact that he the fact that he had a squash club so you know that's how that's how i got started um and the first coach i had was um a gentleman called tim ailing who was who, who was coaching in a club not far from um my my dad's club and i used to go and have weekly coaching sessions with him um and he, uh, he, he was, you know, he was a good, he was a very good coach. He was a, a squash coach, tennis coach. Um, he's also, he also knew Jonah Barrington as well. Um, and he would go and train with him um, in Birmingham, which was, was, which was again, not too far from, uh, not, from not, not too far from my dad. Um, and then one day he took me along um, to, to see Jonah. This is probably when I was eight or nine, I would say, um, maybe eight. Um, so, so yeah, Tim Ailey was my first coach, but I had you know quite a lot of interaction with Jonah from from, in, from an early age actually. Um, 
I actually can vividly remember going on court with him for that very first time, which has been a massive privilege. Um, ah, yeah. At the time, I mean, did you know? Was... Did you did you know Jonah when you were that that? I mean, did you know the legend of who he was? Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I knew. I, 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 yeah. I mean, it was. Yeah, I, I think. I think probably most. You know, most squash fanatics, but even you know, even as a kid, a young kid, seven, eight year old, would 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 know Jonah. I mean, it. it, it I mean, he was. He was. Uh, you know, he was. Uh, a reasonably big um, kind of sports superstar in the UK, actually, I would say. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, he 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 transcended. I remember those celebrity TV shows he used to uh, talk to right. athletes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 superstars. Yeah, and he was he was he was so he was he was well known. Um, he was well known out, outside of squash, and he you know obviously he was you know, the time that he was um, kind of near the top of his game. You know, that was the whole time of the squash boom. And Jonah was obviously, you know, he was instrumental in the in the squash boom in the UK and and and, and in the world as well. Um so yeah, so so I definitely had heard of um had heard of Jonah. Um so yeah, so that was that was that was my that was my introduction. Um and then my you know, squash was becoming more and more popular. Actually, we started, my dad squashed up started out with two courts, he eventually went up to 14 courts, so it was a big squash complex. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and they had lots of junior taught squash tournaments there and uh, training squads. So it, it became kind of like quite a big, um, quite quite a big club in the UK for tournaments, events, coaching, etc. So, you know, that was all really for, um, right on my doorstep. So um, right. that was, yeah, that was extremely lucky. So so what did, uh, what did Jonah think about uh, two-handed squash? <laughs> That's a good question, yeah. So, I mean, when I first started playing squash, it was, Obviously, in the days with, with you probably remember this with uh, the wooden rackets. So yes, yeah. I don't know if you picked up a wooden racket recently, but they're pretty pretty heavy. And I I probably first started playing squash when I was kind of six or seven. It's probably probably the first time I took a you know actually picked up a racket. And I think because I was um, because I used to just jump on the squash court at my at my parents' squash club without any really co- you know without having any coaching or any guidance. I just jumped on there and just. Figured out actually yeah. for me what's the best way to hit a squash ball. That's, you know, it's a big heavy racket at the time. I was tiny. I was even tiny for you know. For, I was even small for my age actually, and pretty weak right. for my age. Um, so you know, I used to just start hitting the ball with two hands, and no one was overseeing me. No one was you know directing <laughs> me what to do. So that's that's just yeah. why you know kind of just did you know as a as a kind of a yeah. loose cannon really. Awesome. I suppose. So, so you um, developed a lot of skill uh, with you know that way, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I used to just spend hours, you know, I can't remember at all, but I just, from my, my dad would tell me, you know, I used to just spend hours just on my own on the squash court, bashing the ball, you know, someone else might jump on as well, and, you know, so, and that's that's how I just kind of started to, but yeah, going back to your original question, I think Jonah was probably quite, he he was, um, you know, I think initially he was, he was quite keen to um, change my technique, um, and we used to, you know, not long after that, he actually then set up, um, all the junior training program in the UK um so like the under 10 training program under 12s and um and at the end of every training um weekend he would write a report um you know and I've still got some of those reports now and they always you know, generally say the same thing but you know I was really talented a good athlete determined he's got his unusual style and you know we really think that he should change otherwise he's not you know but Jonas seems like an outside the box type of guy too, though. I mean, no, exactly, he, was, yeah. he pushed no. the envelope in many ways. So it's no, not, exactly. I'm not surprised yeah. that he he did. He kind of pushed it. He kind of pushed me to change. But he was, um, you know, he was. He, yeah, exactly. He he was not a traditional um, squash coach by any means. You know, he I mean, he invented a lot of the you know a lot of the training that people see now. You know, ghosting, for example, probably Jonah was one of the first people to start that off. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he, you know, he was. Kind of definitely an outside of the box type of a guy, and I think all what he really wanted to try and try and do for me was try and accentuate my strength. So where he thought you know playing double hand strength, accentuate that, and where it was a weakness, and change things, and maybe you know so he would then try and you know get me to practice one hand under pressure. You know that I might be lobbing from the corner or you know whatever it might be. So he was you know he 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 was very adaptable actually, and. Um, you know, he kind of, I think, you know, that, 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 that's how he thought of it in, in, in his mind. He would try and, um, 
you know, create, you know, try try and keep building on my strengths and then you know my weaknesses also take a look and improve those as well. So yeah, I mean it, it was I mean most of the coaches would be a lot more black and white about it. And so you know yeah, yeah I mean, you know, he he, he you know he was he, he was he was clever with um how he how he went about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds that way. And uh, obviously, you're not going to go out and teach uh, a student or te- teach young squash players or anybody to to play with two hands. But it worked for yeah. you. It worked for you. If you were to just describe why uh, maybe it worked for you in, in just in terms of a technical standpoint, obviously, yeah. the yeah. way you started. But yeah. So, I mean, the way I suppose, and especially as I was getting a bit older as well, I mean, you know, obviously I played with two hands, but I mean, if you look at actually the way I hit the ball, it probably was 95% with one hand with my right hand and my left hand was really there to, maybe it was almost almost out of habit at the end, but it was there to kind of guide the racket, uh, give me a bit more stability. Um, so, I mean, in terms of my technique, um, it, you know, in, in some respects, it, it, it kind of was, Quite traditional, I would say, in some ways. Although it was double-handed, double-handed technique, but actually it was probably reasonably traditional in, in, in a lot of respects. Um, but I mean, in terms of benefits, it, people, especially people who hadn't played it before, struggled to. I could generate um, quite a bit of power and width from quite a short swing. Um, oh. So in those days, especially with heavy rackets, um, I mean, people, you know, there were players who were deceptive, people like Hidi Yohan, you know. Um, you know, there were players who were deceptive, but it was probably a bit harder to have a kind of a short swing, short backswing and and and, and generate quite a lot of whip and be able to either put a drop shot in or with the same swing, you know, back the ball to the back as well. I mean, that, you know, players now with lighter rackets, that's a lot, that's a lot easier um, to yeah. do. But in my day, when I was just first starting out, that that was a bit harder. If you see a lot of the videos of, the, you know, some of the, some of the, um, older guys playing in the kind of 70s, 80s, you know, they'll have to take the racket right behind their head and yeah, almost yeah. twirl the racket behind the head to generate any power because the racket was so heavy. Um, so whereas I was probably able to have a bit more of a compact swing, a bit, a bit more probably like a modern day swing in some respects um, and be able to generate quite a lot of width. And I think that was, that was the biggest advantage. Um, I think also just the... Um, just the dynamics of the swing made it probably slightly easy for me to hit the ball straight. So just because of the body position, I had to well, get myself into you, That's something you did very, very probably better than mo- uh, almost uh, any other player out there. Is, you know, your, your, yeah. your, your length game was was very impressive. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I just think the way that I approached the ball with two hands, I probably got my shoulder around, body into position, meant that the line that I was hitting all straight so yeah like you say that that was that was um that was a benefit and that meant that, um you know especially in especially in the days when um you know the early days when i was playing as a junior and also as kind of a young professional as well you know the length hitting was was extremely probably still extremely important now but it was you know it, it was um you know it was a massive part of the game so you know being able to hit a good length was you know yeah. kind of meant you were kind of half three quarters of the way there in, in, in squash so I think those two things combined any good length and the deception were, were the two kind of real benefits for me absolutely yeah now um, we're going to fast forward a bit just a little bit mm. um, so you reached uh, in 1994 uh, obviously tremendous uh, heights for you getting to number two in the world yeah. only you know Jansher was ahead of you in that year you yeah. got to the world open uh, final um, you beat uh, Rodney Martin Peter mm. Nichol uh, obviously, you had your early round matches and in, in, in a hard fought uh, final against uh, yeah. Jansher. Uh, so, mm. what uh, you know, you look back at that World Open event, it, obviously, special memories for you. You would have liked to have won it, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, what do you remember about how well you were playing uh, uh, in that event? In those two, yeah, I mean, I think um, so 94. So, I, I was around, I think I was 23. 23 years old, so not that old really as well. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I started playing professionally when I was probably, I probably first one on the circuit probably when I was 19. So, you know, it wasn't actually that long really before, um, you know, from the age of 19 a few years, but it's not, 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 not that, you know, um, not that long. Um, but I, you know, 
I'd, I'd worked incredibly, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was the most talented player in the world, but I'd worked incredibly hard for you know, a number of years, especially on the physical side of things. Um, so, um, I, you know, I think every year I was rising up the rankings, so I was steadily improving, steadily improving. Um, and, and, you know, every year, every probably almost every ranking list that came out, I would, I would definitely go up. Um, so, you know, I was on, I was on an upward trajectory. Um, and I was probably just getting to the stage, you know, 22, 23, when I was starting to compete quite regularly with, um, with Janshir, so playing, playing Janshir a lot of different yeah. finals, semi-finals. And it, you know, it was a transition time at that time um, as well. So I was, I suppose I was coming into quite a good phase in terms of competition because, um, you know, guys like Rodney Martin, I mean, he was still playing, but um, he'd had yeah. injuries um, he was probably, I don't know how old he was, maybe he was 28, 29. Um, he had a number of, you know, quite serious injuries. Um, he was, you know, not at his peak. Um, Chris Ditmar had just retired. Chris Robertson, I think, had just retired or was about to retire. So, you know, there was you know, probably a combination of things. Me improving as a youngster and getting better and better. And then some of these other guys that I, you know, who were kind of, you know, legends of the game and people would say, you know, some of the best players ever. Um, you know, they were either, you know, either retiring or, you know, for mainly, mainly due to injury that they kind of, you know, they reached their, they'd reached their peak and probably on the way down. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was an exciting time because, you know, I was playing against, playing against Jansha who, you know, um, probably six or seven years before when I was kind of, you know, whatever, 15, 16, I'd go to Wembley and watch him in the British Open play Jahangir in, you know, in the final. Same with Rodney Martin, actually. You know, I, I remember going to watch him play when he played Jahangir, I think in 98, when he lost 3-2 to Jahangir. It was 2 up against him in the semi-final of the British Open. You know, I was probably 14, 15, something like that at the time. So, you know, to get on court and then compete against these guys who were kind of your heroes when you mm. were a teenager was, um, you know, was, was was unbelievable. Surreal, and, and to, I would imagine. Yeah, it's surreal. Yeah, it's, it's only if you know, it's not that long. You know, it's not that many years difference, really. So, you know, yeah. you go from being a teenager and being completely in awe of these players, and then a few years down the line, you're actually competing against them. So, um, I yeah. would have thought. Uh, I mean, you in, in some of the stuff that I've read, uh, you kind of alluded to the fact that maybe Janshir was on his way out, and he certainly was a few years later. But uh, yeah. I yeah. think at that time, I mean, he 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 didn't want to let it go. Uh, I don't think. No. Yeah. No. No. He was. He. I mean, it was, it was a good. You know, I was competing pretty well against him. You know, there's a, a few tournaments where I just got pipped in five. I mean, difficult with Jansen because he always seemed to have another gear. So even if I lost three two to him, you know, sometimes you think, well, actually, it's two all, and then you lose the fifth quite easy. Is that really that close, or is he just you know step the gear? So it's you know it's hard it's hard to say, but you know the gap. And he was, you know, he was, he was still kind of close to the top of his game, but he was probably, you know, he'd been there for a long time and, you know, had numerous battles, obviously, with Jahangir and what he was, yeah, yeah Janshu was still, still at the top of his game, really, um, I mean, maybe physically not quite um, as good as he had been, but he was getting better with the racket. So, you know, that mm. was, that was, he had um, such great touch. Holy he was He was getting better and better with the racket. Mm. So that was compensating for maybe just slightly going downhill um, physically. Um, but yeah, no, he wanted to, you know, he obviously wanted to kind of carry on his reign and, you know, he would only really lose um, kind of once or twice a year, probably for kind of like six or seven years. You know, he was only losing two or three times a year, two or three times a year. Um, so he was unbelievably consistent as well. So, you know, he didn't want to obviously give up that top spot. But it was a good, you know, it was, I think probably most people felt that it was, you know, it, I wouldn't say there's a chink in the armour, but, you know, it's a good. it was a good time to try and, you know, keep pressing because, you um, yeah. You know, you're, you're thinking actually he's been there for a long time, and you know he's going to have to slow down at some point. And um, you know, yeah. no one can stay there. No one can stay at the top forever. Um, and probably with him, you know, motivation was going to start coming into it, and you know, could he keep on getting himself up for these big matches? So it was a good. You know, he was still wanting to win, but it was a good time to start competing against him. That's for sure. Yeah, and that in that uh, World Open too. I mean, as I mentioned, you beat uh, Rodney, who like. As we know, he, yeah. he he had a few injuries right around that period, but still playing exceptional squash. And then you beat a, uh, an up and coming young guy, uh, Peter Nickel, there in That's the right. yeah. semifinal. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you, I mean, you obviously were the man. I mean, you were obviously yeah. uh, you were right there. Uh, 
in those matches against Rodney and Peter, uh, and then in the final, uh, how did you think, uh, where was your game at, at that moment? Well, yeah, I mean, probably looking back on it, that was probably, we'll can probably come on to this later, and unfortunately that was probably was getting close to my peak of my kind of game, I would say, in, in my in my career at that particular time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, and I think when you're kind of getting close to your peak or you're at your peak, you're pretty, you know, you're confident, you know, so I wasn't certain I was going to win, but I was, you know, I was confident of beating someone like Peter Nicol at that particular time and, and, and at that particular stage of Peter's career. You know, I was a couple of years older as well, so I, I was a couple of years stronger than what he was, could be as more experienced. Um, probably Rodney Martin, even though he was nowhere near 100%, in a way that's more dangerous at that particular time for me because you know everyone knows what an unbelievable player he is and how skillful he is you know on the you know on a particular day even if he's uh, he's been struggling with injuries and not moving um, that well you know it, you have to be on your toes for every second of the match because you could lose a string of points yeah. pretty quickly yeah. if you're not careful um, whereas with Peter Nichol at that particular time and we you know in some respects we had sim- similarish games similar strengths. But uh, but I was just a bit stronger and fitter and a bit more experienced than him. So that meant you know that meant that um, it, it was probably a bit more you know kind of guaranteed that I was going to win that particular match. That, that's how I that's how I viewed it at that particular time. But yeah, it was um, yeah Peter was coming up. You know he was you know he was he was improving all the time, um, and you know he was a good junior. But he really started you know making some serious inroads at the age of kind of 2021 20, and you know he was you know you you knew from his attitude and and the way that he approached the game that it wasn't going to be long before he was you know consistently right at the top I think anyone yeah. picked how good he was going to get but you, you know I think everyone knew that he was he was he was a he was a rising star and then uh, obviously a 1995 British Open uh, you got to that final as well mm. and mm. must have been uh, just uh, again surreal for you you know being from there and you know, having uh, watched all the, the, the classic matches over the years, and you you got to the final in that event. Um, now I'm just wondering. Obviously, you're you're playing quite well. Uh, the the, fi- yeah. the the end the the final was not as uh, as close as maybe you would yeah. have liked it to be. Uh, so, just in terms of what happened to you, uh, uh, yeah. just a few months later, how uh, how were you feeling uh, at that? Point? Yeah, I mean that was a bit of a bittersweet moment, really. Like you say, to get to the final of the British Open was was you know. Um, it was a big honour because that was the tournament that I watched the most as a as, as a kid. You know, I'd go to I'd go to Wembley every year and watch the British Open and watch Jahangir and Danshir and Rodney Martin, all these great players. So to be able to you know to be able to compete in a British Open, finally. it wasn't in at Wembley at that stage. It was in it was in, it was in Cardiff, um, but even still, that was you know that was that was unbelievable. Um, but on the on the kind of the downside, I, this was the, the time when physically I was starting to break down, um, and probably about a year before that, um, in the summertime, I had glandular fever, um, and it took a few months to get over it. Um, but but it probably was still, or it definitely was, it was still in kind of my system. I don't think I ever properly recovered um, from 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 having glandular fever, and I was starting to you know after that World Open final, actually, not long after that, I was starting to have, you know, kind of good days and bad days physically. Um, and actually in that tournament, I played, um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't feeling great going into it. Um, but I suppose mentally I could keep pushing myself through each of the rounds. And I probably at that time built up a bit of a reputation that, um, you know, mentally I was really good. I was physically strong. And, yeah. you know, some players kind of almost like, gave up before they even started yeah. against me. So I, I could kind of ride on that for, you know, a, a short while. Um, and I actually played yeah. Brett Martin in the semi-final, And that was, um, you know, that was a very tough match, like it always was with him. Um, but I managed to come through. But I just, I remember thinking after that game, I'm, you know, I'm tired, not, I'm kind of abnormally tired, you know, you know and mm-hmm. I'm not really... You know, it's not something that you used to have to grapple with, is it? No, not really. No, I mean, it was a hard match against Brett Martin, but I'm used to playing tough matches and probably used to playing two or three. But I knew that there was something not, um, you know, I wasn't right. I didn't know quite what was wrong with me, but I, I knew I wasn't physically right. And then the next day, I played, played Jantra and lost really comfortably. Probably the easiest I've lost to him in probably two or three years, actually. Um, and, you know, he was playing well, but I'd actually beaten Jantra 
just after the British, after the World Open in a couple of league matches. Now, you know, he wasn't probably maybe 100% in those matches, but, you know, I felt I was kind of getting closer and closer. And then at the British Open, I, as I said, I, I lost, you know, um, three love in probably half an hour, you know, really, really comfortably. Um, That's so, maybe because uh, maybe in the back of your mind, you just said, oh, you know, this is not good. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think physically I couldn't back up um, for whatever, you know, I, I, I know now so, because I, I, I um, had glandular fever, which then turned into this chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, and so, yeah, so, so it was, it was, it was great achievement in one sense, but also very disappointing that I knew that I was reaching a time when I was going to, I should be competing even better against Chancho or even deciding to beat him. And, um, you know, it was looking like I was kind of going kind of downhill, which was, um, which was not great. So, so yeah, so it was, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 It's a tough one, tough one to take to get to the final and then not be able. To. And I guess it wasn't too long after that when you decided to to consult with a physician uh, as to what, what was yeah, going on. Yeah, probably even actually probably even a few weeks after that. Actually, I think I maybe I was even doing it before the British Open. Um, I mean, it was you know it's one of those things that I had, I had glandular fever, and you know, anyone who's had glandular fever will tell you it takes it, it takes a good few months to get over. And I probably I was it was a bit of a um, I was in a slightly strange position because I was extremely fit, you know, even for a squash player in those days, you know, that was one of my biggest friends, you know, people would say that I was and mentally very strong as well. So, you know, I could push myself um, extremely hard, even though I was not feeling 100%. So that was almost, you know, that was almost to my detriment really in the yeah. end because mm -hmm. I picked up this virus and got dangerous fever. Well, now, now what we know nowadays is uh, the mantra is listen to your body. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I had a bit of a break, but I didn't obviously break anywhere near long enough. You know, looking back, I started to train again, started to you know try and compete again, which is nowhere near long enough. And um, you know, and that's that then led into this kind of long, long cycle of um, you know of issues of my health. Um, obviously, easy to look back now and say that's why that's why I should have done. But um, it's you know it's, it's rested for longer. But you know, when I think when you're that age, you're 21, 22, and you're kind of rising up the rankings. You know, every day seems like a lifetime. You know. It, it seems like a really hard thing to do to take time off, um, and it so, so and, it, and it wasn't like an injury. You know, if you have an injury, you go and see a physio or you see a doctor, and they say, you know, time. People didn't even even now, people didn't really know that much about you know some of the physical conditions that you could you know, things like injury fatigue or chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, so it was you know it was it was difficult to get the right advice as well about what to do. Mm. Use my normal uh, tactic of of you know okay having a bit of rest and then thinking actually now I'm going to. You know, keep training and I mean, at that, yeah. at that age, though, I mean, at 22 or 23, I, I think I read somewhere where the doctors sort of uh, gave you their, you know, their their advice and 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 partly said you may one of them may have said uh, you may not play again. I mean, how 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 did that yeah. uh, how did that impact you mentally? I mean, it must have been you know, yeah. yeah. As, you, as your book is titled Shattered. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was probably a few months after actually. So so that was probably you know after the British Open maybe six months after that, I still feeling great. You know, that was definitely one of the advice piece of advice I got. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was, um, you know, it was a tough time because like I said, I was only 23 and I was number two in the world, getting close to being number one in the world, supposedly getting, you know, not, not well, even at 23, not near your, not near your peak. I probably had a few more years to go, you know, um, you know, I, I could have been 20, been improving for another four or five years. So it was tough, you know, extremely tough. Um, it, it was uh, yeah, it was it was a difficult time, um, and yeah, at what, yeah, different stages. I thought that's it. I probably I, I probably might never play again. So yeah, it was it was it was it was a tough time for a good few years. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I mean you did one thing that I think was probably maybe maybe you you look back and say that was it was the right thing to do. You went on a uh, a trip with your parents, a sailboat to Greece. And that's right yes getting get yeah. away from from everything and just get away yeah. from squash get away from it all and uh, yeah. how did that uh, you know how did that play out for it yeah i mean so so my parents once they um so they had the squash club and then they actually squashed and started um not being quite as popular they turned the squash club into a hotel they eventually sold the hotel once they sold the hotel they decided to to buy a boat and sail around the world um so that was their life for kind of like 20 
30 years was, 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 was on a boat sailing around the world. Um, and I joined them for you know, one of these trips. That, sure. that was, yeah, that was, that was, you know, it's hard. And I was based in, um, I was based in Nottingham at the time. And, you know, everything around me is squashed. So I, you know, I can't play, but, you know, all friends that I knew, uh, you know, my whole world is, you know, squashed really at that particular age. So, you know, if you can't play and compete and do your job, it's, you know, and you're kind of in the middle of it all and everyone else is competing and playing and, you know, it's, it kind of makes it even harder. So, um, so yeah, so it's good. It's a good, it's a good thing to do just to try and get away and forget about things. Yeah. People often ask me now, what, what advice would you give? You know, other people have had similar things. What advice would you give? You know, and it, it's very easy to say looking back what you would do, but I, I think you have to really try. I think, I think a change of circumstances is a good thing in these, in these scenarios, you know, whether you, you move house or go on a break somewhere, I think anything that gets you out of your kind of normal routine. And I suppose the routine that you've been used to that's, so yeah. So I went on, a, I went on a few trips actually with my parents. And then uh, I guess it was around 19, would have been around 1997 when you made your return mm. to squash uh, and you uh, I could be wrong with the the timing of all this, but you you and Simon Park started working, or maybe you worked together before. But uh, he also had issues, uh, health issues. That's right. He's been battled yeah. through some difficult times. So working together with him must have been, uh, you know, uh, you maybe helped each other in, in in a way. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's right. Yeah, no, he had, um, yeah, he had he had testicular cancer, kind of a slightly later than than my chronic fatigue but it did overlap so there was a period where we were both out of the game I remember going around he was recovering I was recovering we we're both you know we we're both sidelined um and I can't quite remember the order in terms of who came back first but yeah we had quite a traumatic period of our life and um you know before that we used to train with each other you know a lot he used to live in he lived in Yorkshire north of England but then moved to, to Nottingham where I was based and you know mm. we were we were training partners um and then yeah I think he maybe came back slightly after me. Actually, yeah, it was it was good. You know, in one sense, it was good that we had each other. You know, we probably knew the frustrations that each of them, each of us was was feeling at that particular time. And um, yeah, I think I came back a bit bit before him, and then he he came back as well. Yeah, and what uh, uh, sort of what was your? Uh, I guess you were you apprehensive at all though. You must have been a bit apprehensive about sort of you know getting back into squash shape. I mean, there, there's no, I mean, yeah. fitness and squash is, <laughs> I mean, you've got to be yeah, fit. No, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's tough. So I think, yeah. So I, I, I had, I mean, so I stopped in the British Open. So that was a, I think I maybe played a couple more small tournaments after the British Open in 95, but that was kind of about it in terms of kind of main competitions. And then I actually came back two years later at the British Open. Um, so so right. I had to, you know, I had two years um, out of the game. It was, it was tough because, um, you know, you're out, you've been out of the game for two years. I mean, that's not easy. I mean, physically, I probably still wasn't quite hundred percent. You know, I was definitely felt a lot better, but, uh, but I don't know whether I was quite hundred um, percent. And, you know, my training had changed dramatically. You know, I, I, I was training, but I was probably just about doing the minimal really to kind of, you know, yeah. get by and compete. Which, in some respects, you know, I learned quite a lot from because um, it made me realise actually, you you know, I'm not saying advocating that you don't train to players, but you know, if you've built up a good base, you know, you can actually um, keep going with, um, you know, if you really tailor your training properly, you know, you can you can get a you know, so that still, base that base was still there to 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 build on for you. I right? think so. Yeah, and I trained, you know, so like incredibly hard for a good few years, and also as a junior as well, training with Jonah, you know, yeah. I'd had a, a lot in the band, but yeah, you know, as a, my, especially my type of game and my mentality, you gain a lot of confidence if you're training hard and working hard and, you know, that gives you confidence. And I couldn't really draw on that anymore because, you know, I hadn't been able to do that. Um, but yeah, so what so it was did you draw on? Uh, what, what was it that, that you, I guess, uh, people think that you're really fit? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, I think probably people, probably that illusion had gone by then. Um, I mean, it was, it was, I suppose, the way I thought of it, and maybe this, as I, like I said earlier, I'd competed, you know, against Rodney Martin, all these great players in the kind of early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. And it, probably the game still, even in 97, probably hadn't reached those levels, I would say. So um, in, terms of, in terms of standard. So 
or maybe it had, but I just didn't want, I just didn't want to believe it. So, so coming back, you know, I was kind of thinking in my mind that actually, you know, if I was coming back after not playing for two years and having, um, I thought in my mind at the time that actually, you know, it's a good time to kind of be competing. All, all the top guys have, have now stopped. Some of the younger guys are coming through, but they're not, you know, they hadn't reached their peak yet. You know, they, they were, they weren't at their peak like they were a couple of years later. So in my own mind, that's how I thought of it was actually now is a good, even though I don't really feel like I'm 100%, I've, you know, I think there's still an opportunity to do well. Um, so, so that, I think that gave me, gave me some confidence. And how, how did that first, uh, how did that return to the British Open uh, play out for you? <laughs> yeah. So actually, funnily enough, I, I got a wild card into the draw. So I, you know, because I'd lost all my rankings. So, you know, yeah. You were 300, right? You got, you fell yeah, to whatever it was. World, yeah. Right at the bottom, whatever <laughs> it was in those days. So I was right at the bottom. I got a wild card. And then I played Brett Martin in the first round, who was the last player that I played before I stopped. Oh, right. Right. Um, and he beat me. I can't remember what the score was, but it was pretty, yeah, it was a competitive game. Um, when I came back and the British Open, you know, he beat me relatively, relatively convincingly. But yeah, you had to start somewhere. And I think anyone who's had a long break, you know, they're not expecting that much really when they first come back. You know, yeah. Get back well, it, must, it must have been nice to just get back out on court and, and even to play a guy. I mean, like that. You, you probably saw the draw and just said, yeah, all right, let, let's give it a go. Is that, is that exactly, you, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I didn't really put too much pressure on myself. I mean, yeah, it, it's um, yeah, no, it's a strange, a strange time because I mean, it's, I suppose it depends, yeah, a lot of it is is mentality. It depends how you look at things. Um, in one sense, it's extremely frustrating because you thought of the last two years and you think actually, if I was fit, you know, I could have had chances to win big titles and like I said, yeah. eventually probably coming down a little bit more um, in those couple of years. So that's unbelievably frustrating. But I think to but then on the, on the other side, um, being told that you might not be able to play again or you're thinking you might never step on court again, to have the chance to, to play is, is unbelievable. You know, you can now actually get back on court and play and do, some, and do something that you love. So, you know, you kind of got mixed emotions again about the return. Um, so, um, but yeah, overall, it was, yeah, it, was, it was great to come back and you know, get back on the court again and compete and, um, and, and play. So that, 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 that's my of overriding overriding memory of it um yeah 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 uh, and uh, i'm just uh, wondering in 2000 you ended up winning uh winning the british national title that would have been your third mm. thing your third british national title um where would that have ranked among your squash achievements because yeah. to me it just seems like you know to get back and to win that uh yeah. a big event uh yeah. might, it would be right up there wouldn't it yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it's probably, so just rewind even a bit more than that, actually, it's probably worth just noting. So I played in 90, so I came back in 97 and played, I think, the rest of 97. And actually, that's when I played Jonathan Power in um, the World Open. So I was having to qualify for events and then, you know, come through. And that's, that's the time I played Jonathan Power in Malaysia. Um, but then at the start of 98, I stopped again, actually. So I was then out for another 18 months because I still hadn't recovered properly. So I had two years out, played probably for six, seven months. I think I got back to the top in the, top in the world. So I did, well, you know, I did, I did well, but I just physically wasn't. Took another year and a half out um, and then came back in kind of mid-98. So, and then, yeah, 2000, that's when the, when the British closed. So it was, it, it, in terms of, the titles that I won, that probably was the most special in a lot of respects because I'd had so, you know, two years out and followed by another year and a half out and both times starting from scratch. So um, I think, you know, having two years out initially, that's that's very tough to do it again for a similar piece, you know, mm. is, is unbelievably hard. You know, it's even harder because, you know, the game's moved on, players are getting better. You've lost a lot more ground, obviously. Um, so, so, yeah, to come back and win that was... Um, yeah, looking back on it, that probably was the most satisfying win in terms of you know, the emotion behind it and I suppose the history yeah. that I had before, that's for certain, yeah. Who did you play in the final? Uh, um, I played David Evans in the final. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, he, yeah, he was playing some tremendous squash at that time. He was playing good squash. I think he was three in the world at the time. This is when he was probably, you know, close to it. I had lost to him as well in, in other events, but uh, on that day... Um, that day, I, yeah, I, I, I beat him. Um, so, 
so yeah, I don't, I can't remember what what I was seeded, but I wasn't seeded to win the tournament. I think there was Simon Park, I ranked them near the time. David Evans was as well. Um, so, so yeah, so that was that was that was great. I mean, I won two of the early British titles in kind of like ninety four, ninety five, I think, maybe even earlier than that actually. Um, and then I didn't play for a couple of years because we had a super. Um, but yeah, then to come back in two thousand and win, you know quite a few years later was yeah. uh yeah it was definitely special absolutely now now you mentioned uh, the match against jp which i brought up uh, earlier yeah, uh, yeah. And that was in malaysia was it i i saw that uh it's somewhere on youtube and it just uh i mean jp was in the ascendancy at that point you know a lot like peter playing some great squads that's right yeah kind of yeah. struggling a little bit against some of the uh, the top guys what did you but it ju- just seemed to me like you you seemed to play well against him uh yeah 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 so so i mean he was jonathan was one of the players in the two years that i was out that really came you know came forward really really strongly so when i probably in 95 i mean he was you know he wasn't really in in 94 95 he wasn't really in any of the tournaments that i was playing in he probably he was in all the discos in, in uh, Canada. <laughs> yeah yeah he probably was in the discos exactly yeah um <laughs> Probably didn't even want. He probably could have been in the main tournaments, but he probably just didn't want to be. I'm not quite sure. But uh, yeah, he was. You know, I remember him. I, I do remember him then as being an unbelievable. Everyone was saying the same thing. He's an unbelievably talented player. You know, but will he ever have the discipline to kind of make it? You know, if he get his head together and train properly for a few years or whatever, he's going to be. You know, he's going to be something really special. But people at that time and probably the, you know 94, 95 were doubting that that was ever going to happen. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, in the two years that I was out, he'd really come up and was, you know, it was an interesting battle because um, I'd been out of the game. You know, I was near the top and been out. It was an interesting match. And I had to, um, and he probably was one of the favourites to win that World Open um, from memory. I think he'd beaten Peter Nicol a number of times. At that point, he was on top of Peter Nicol and beating him. Um, I don't think he'd probably, he'd hardly even lost to him, actually. Um, and Janja couldn't play that tournament because he was banned from right. playing it. Number yeah. of different reasons I won't was, go into. Maybe, maybe he felt it set up pretty well for him. So yeah, he was, you know, he was he was one of the favourites to win. Um, although he was still young, you know, he was still obviously still a young guy. Um, and yeah, I had to qualify actually, so I had to qualify, and then I played Brett Martin in the first round, um, uh, and then I played um, an Australian called Dan Jensen, yeah. sure you know, you know, in, in the second round, and then I played Jonathan in the quarterfinal. Um, and, you know, I think at the time he was still, you know, improved a hell of a lot, but, but mentally was still, you know, uh, had vulnerabilities. And I knew that if I could, you know, if I could just keep with him and keep pressure on, you know, he, he potentially could crack. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it was one of those days that, you know, everything went right for me. And, you know, um, um, and I think I, I've said this before, but, you know, we, we probably could have played 10 times around that around that time he could have won nine of them and I could have just won one you know because he was you know he, he kind of should have won really um, he, he was right. probably you know better shape than me he was more match fit than me he, you know he was um, you know, he'd obviously been playing for the last two years and it just you know just happened that just on on that particular day you know everything you know kind of fell into place for me really um, so I don't think it was necessarily a, a case of um, me being you know kind of a lot better than him or anything like that it was right. just you know on the day, that's what happened. Um, Maybe you know, styles, I was, I was, mate. It was a style as well. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, I said before, I was reasonably confident as well going into it because I had this, you know, I had this belief, whether it was founded or not, that um, at that particular time, that you know, these guys weren't weren't as good as some of the guys that I played, you know, a few years ago. So, so I was, you know, I was going into it thinking he's a young guy coming up, but he's not, you know, in my mind, he's not a Jansha yet or a Rodney right. Martin yet. So. So that you know, and I you know that 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 kind of gave me some confidence. So it wasn't like I was going in there having lost to him a number of times and see and seen him play unbelievably well in different matches and in different tournaments. You know, in my you know in my in my mind he was you know a kid like you said <laughs> was rolling out of a disco somewhere. So you know I had you know that that had some you know I'm sure that had some impact in some in terms of confidence for me. And maybe for him it was you know the opposite way around. You know he he'd seen me near the top of the game and then he's got this fear of somebody coming back who he doesn't quite know what I'm going to bring to the table 
probably the pressure's on him to win as well because he's favoured to win. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's kind of a different scenario for him mentally. Um, so yeah, that type of pressure for him, he he eventually he would adjust to it. But I, I think at that stage, he... Yeah, at that time, yeah. He was still young and still, you know, maturing. So it was difficult. You know, it's not easy um, if you're playing with someone with nothing to lose and and you're the one who's expected to win. That's not That's not a... And he knew that I was probably going to give everything, you know, and yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not an easy, uh, it's not, it's not an easy thing to uh, combat. So yeah, it was, it was probably tougher, but probably a good, you know, good learning experience for him. I'm, 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 you know, at the end of the day, Peter, I mean, this, this is sort of uh, at the end of your, your professional career, right around that time mm. uh, at the end of it all. I mean, you, you, you had a great career. Uh, how do you mm. view it? In terms, you know, when you know, when you look back, and yeah. are, are you, uh, you know, are are you okay with the way things played out? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, I probably wasn't for. Well, I mean, maybe um, you know, soon after I retired, I was, you know, I, I for a couple of years, I was probably frustrated, thinking actually, you know, I could have, you know, done a lot more, and if I had, you know, all my good years, that could have been a big difference. You know, I could have won more titles, etc. But yeah, looking back on it now, I'm, you know, it's just the way that life has gone for me. And, um, you know, it's not something I particularly dwell on in terms of, you know, missed opportunities now. Um, and, you know, I, I, I look back on the kind of the positive times and you know, the, the, the fact that I managed to kind of come back and play again, you know, after being out for so long, you know, gives me a lot of, you know, a lot of kind of satisfaction. Um, you know, at the end of the day, there's not many people who can do a job that they love doing, you know, and be able to do that for a number of years and be, you know, successful at it. So, you know, looking at, you know, I've had obviously a lot longer to kind of look back at my life now. And, uh, you know, that's, I'm a, I kind of realise I'm extremely fortunate to, to even have had the opportunity or even to be, you know, even to be able to, and even to be able to play squash for six, seven years is, you know, is, is, is that, I suppose that's how I, you know, that's how I, that's how I view it now, um, and um, yeah, it's, it's 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 for me. It was it was it was a great experience all around. You know, ups and downs, obviously, but overall was you know was was was, was a great time. Yeah, I, think, I mean, and I, and I think uh, amongst the the squash people out there, the people that know the game, I, I think it's pretty much you know everybody realized you know what happened to you was very unfortunate, very unlucky uh, at mm. the time. That happened and uh, had you had those years you you know probably would have or you've been you would have been definitely a contender for taking uh you know Jancher's uh, top spot so there you know there's that too so no but yeah and overall it's um yeah I think I'm just just you know just fortunate and it's also fortunate that I've you know I've played at probably one of the times where squash was really you know especially in the UK anyway it was you know it was a, it was a booming sport um it was a really exciting time. Um, lots of people playing the game. Um, you know, it was a big, you know, it was a great, a great era to kind of have played in. So there were so many great personalities. I mean, you know, having just spoken with Rodney and now you, and uh, you know, I've had uh, I've had several uh, others on, on the podcast as well uh, in the generation after you, the even JP and uh, you know that generation. There, there mm. were a few great players. I mean. It was a great time for squash back then, especially during your era. There are so many uh, fantastic personalities, and it, it must have been, you know, just uh, something that you you look back on and, and just you must feel lucky to have been there and, and been part of it. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's um, yeah, I mean, I was extremely lucky right from the word go to have someone like you know, have someone like be able to have you know uh, mentoring and coaching from from somebody like general like like a lot of the um the english players at that time you know that's that was you know that was a great privilege and then um you know to play all these kind of top guys that you've just mentioned that was unbelievable um and then to see you know to see the game you know how it's progressed and you know then come up against different challenges and play people like you know jonathan and peter nickel you know years down the line you know that's but, you know, so so I'm, I think I'm quite lucky that I've seen you know I've played against a number of different areas and seen a, a number of different areas. And I suppose even now you know it's it's different, but it's you know it's standards unbelievably good and exciting. So it's um, yeah, I, 
feels like I've seen a lot of you know a lot of different phases of the of the of, of squash over you know over the years, which is um, yeah, it's interesting to kind of look back on and, and compare. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, Peter, I, I know I'm going to hear it from from the listeners if I don't ask you for one uh, classic training anecdote of you and Jonah. So, uh, what, <laughs> give 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 us a, you know what, sort of a memory or something that that uh, you know did, did you do any backyard train of ghosting in your underwear with Jonah or uh, we did actually yeah yeah that was actually so, <laughs> I suppose the, the strange thing is there's so many stories that you think they're kind of quite normal but that was definitely one of them yeah um I'd go down and stay with, with Jonah and that's probably, probably when Jerry was that's probably Jonah every every afternoon would be ghosting especially in the summer would be ghosting his underpants which is you know, it's quite, quite bizarre and that's what you know that was a typical training session um but yeah I actually went to school with um I actually moved to Millfield for a short period of time, um, and as far as with Jonah, kind of almost every day, uh, mm. um, kind of the ages, probably from thirteen to fifteen. Um, and I always remember some of the session. You know, so a typical session with Jonah was at the well, at the start. He would never tell you how long the session was going to be, oh, right? Because he would say, so he'll be the, you know he'll be the person feeding you, and then so you have two minutes of feeding, and then two minutes of ghosting or course prints or whatever it's going to be. But he'll never tell you how long it's going to be because he, what he would say was in a match, you, you know, you don't know how long a match is going to be. So, you know, you don't know whether it's going to be 45 minutes or whether it's going to be two and a half hours. So we right. start these training sessions and mentally it's really, you know, if you've got like a, a hard hours training session, you can just about get your mind into gear and think, actually, I can push and for this hour yeah. and then I can rest and, you know, it's going to be kind of what the pain's going to be over. Um <laughs> But starting these sessions where you just didn't know whether it could be kind of half an hour or it could be two and a half hours, or it could be, you know, I think probably two and a half hours. Is, but you know that that is but um, matches back in those days. Sometimes they, they were two and a half hours. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Well, that's well, that's the thing. So that that's how you had to, you know, in his mind, that's how you had to prepare. And you, you probably you probably would always say, okay, well, if the longest match is going to be two two and a half hours, you need to do another fifteen minutes on top of that, you know, because and then you you know and then, and then you really are. Confident. So yeah, they're the sessions I remember the most. Just going on call with him, him feeding, and and then and then just not knowing how long it's going to be. It was like yeah. It, was there ever a tell? Like, like could you, was there ever a tell? Like we sort of you 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 kind of realize oh, this is going to be two hours or, or was there it? Was no, there, was, there was never really an indication. I remember asking him a few times, just try, you know, trying to get something out of him. How long is this going to be? And you just wouldn't get anything back. You know, he'd be shouting and screaming at you, but he would never tell you how long the session was going to be. <laughs> but actually, yeah. But, but actually, looking back on it, that was great. You know, that was that was one of the that's things brilliant. that made me. That's brilliant, I think. Yeah, that, that, that made the me box kind of, yet again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that made me. You know, kind of really strong mentally was. Um, you know, was 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 that kind of training. I, I, I mean, Simon Park used to come down as well. I remember some of the sessions that we used to have. Well, I would be. We would we'll play games like. Um, we'll do like alley games and. I just always remember Jonah being on the top of the court and any ball that came within, you know, a few centimetres off the wall, he'll be screaming and shouting at you saying, you know, why wasn't, you know, the ball jutted out, he'll stop the rally and come down and, you know, it would be really tough on you just, you know, because for him, you know, being accurate and consistently accurate was such, you know, was such a big thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he, he, I mean, he was, so yeah, it was plenty, plenty of stories, but, you know, he's, um, you know, even at that time, so he probably was in his late 40s, early 50s, he was still, you know, working hard and training hard. You know, yeah. he would, you know, he would he would, he would, would go on court and be on there for kind of an hour, an hour and a half doing solo practice. You know, you kind of felt, well, actually, if he's doing it at the age of, you know, probably nearly 50, then you feel like a, you know, you feel like a bit of a weakling if you were kind of, you know, <laughs> boffing out after kind of like half an hour. So, um, yeah, he was kind of like leading by example. Yeah, probably That's still awesome. his staff, I would think. That's uh, well, yeah. That that that's not surprising, uh, that, and that's that's absolutely uh, brilliant. You know, not telling the player just sort of the unpredictability of, of a match. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, yeah. And I think every you know every player, if they're having a training session, they like to know how long it's going to be because they like to you know. Yeah. You know, actually, I can get you know. I've done half. You know, in their mind, I've done a quarter of it now. I've done a half of it. You know, and they can mentally. I just need to push another match play. It doesn't work out that way, does it? No, exactly. A match doesn't work out either way. So I don't know whether coaches do that these days, but uh, yeah, it was it would definitely be something I would recommend as a as a bit of a one-off, as a bit of a test for some of the young guys. See how they Absolutely, see how they yeah. cope with it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the metal, uh, improve, uh, uh, enhance their metal, as you guys like. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well Peter, uh, it's been once we got the technical issues out of the way. This yeah, is sorry about that. No, no, that's not your fault. Uh, fantastic talking to you. An honor, and uh, all the best to you and your family. I hope everyone's safe and well over there. Take it easy. See you Take later. Care. Well, that was absolutely amazing. Uh, Peter Marshall, a uh, fantastic story, great squash career, uh, tremendous comeback after uh, that serious battle that he had with chronic fatigue syndrome. I hope you enjoyed that uh, as much as I did. Apologies for the uh, technical issues. We had a, a few technical difficulties there uh, during the you know during the chat, but uh, we battled through it, and uh, I really think that was fantastic. Again. Thanks to Peter for that, and thanks everyone for listening. We've had some good ones of late, and we're going to have a few good ones uh, in the not-too-distant future, so please stay tuned for those. Thanks for listening. Please share with your friends on social media. Give us a like, a tweet, all that jazz, and uh, all the best to you and your families. Uh, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel, I think, here. If you're not back on the squash court yet, hopefully it's soon. Take good care now, and have a great weekend and a great day. Goodbye now.